the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Every morning is a new opportunity to take in the news of the day and the challenges of life and try to make sense of it all. Right now, we've got a show that tackles the topics and asks what you think. So get ready to start your day with a bold look at history as it happens. Let's learn, live, and sometimes laugh together. It's the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM. The answer. A beautiful day lies ahead. I'm guessing a day filled with news lies ahead, you think? When the Supreme Court justices are going to be hearing uh, out of Colorado the story of this uh, uh, of this attempt to ban him from the ballot, I'm going to get to the, to the King Charles natural remedy cancer story here in a second because this started a major roundtable of conversation in my off-air world. Uh, listen, who among us doesn't have some cancer going around, uh, just as a, as a topic in life? I've, I've been blessed to be unscathed by it. My sister-in-law, Lisa's sister, Carmen, breast cancer survivor. Uh, my mom died of it, 1998. My dad had it, but didn't kill him. Nope. Heart disease got him, 1998. Um, Mike's wife, Denise, cancer. It's everywhere. And so treatment for it and progress in treatment for it and what ought you to do if that you know, terrible diagnosis day arrives is uh, just a major talking sport. And so on, um, on one of the British chat shows, the great um, Nigel Farage, uh, who really should be prime minister of England, uh, had a, a guy there, – there, there are people walking around in Britain with business cards that say like Royals expert, you know, whatever that even means. I guess it's people who have sort of immersed themselves in the history of, and the traditions of, I mean, okay, you know, they, they got that system. So you might as well have people who know about it. And they were talking about, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do that actually first to sort of lay that down, see if anybody wants to weigh in on that. And then uh, Andy McCarthy was on Fox just last hour on how this Supreme court Trump ballot ban thing ought to go. I've said this 50 times. Here's 51. None of this has anything to do, should have anything to do with how anybody feels about Trump. You can love him. You can hate him. This is a matter of facts and law. The attempt to strike him from the ballot using the 14th Amendment against insurrectionists seeking elected office is one of the... It's tempting to say stupidest because it is. But listen, I can be stupid. (laughs) We can all be stupid. We're humans. We have failings. This is intentional. The sinister, the fiendish attempt to deny the American voters a choice they'd like to make because somebody hates him enough to say that his objections to the 2020 election, that his exploration of every legal and constitutional remedy merited a label of insurrection. Or even if you do go 
to the very vivid imagery of the people who did riot at the Capitol, that that was somehow Trump's fault. It is only from the brain of the most prolific and venomous Trump haters that such a logic, and I use the term loosely, can be crafted. So how's this going to go today? How is this? And whenever I'm talking about Supreme Court rulings, I've said this dozens of times. Here comes dozens plus one. (laughs) I never look for the Supreme Court to do my political bidding. I never look for the justices to, to rule a certain way because I'm a Republican or because I'm a conservative or because I favor a certain candidate. I want the justices to rule according to the Constitution. In, in Roe v. Wade, I didn't want them to overturn Roe v. I, I didn't argue that they should over. I mean, obviously, the pro-lifer in me was thrilled when Roe v. Wade got overturned. But that wasn't the logic I used as to why they should. The logic I used for every day of my career that started nine years after Roe v. Wade became the uh, shameful law of the land was that it was unconstitutional, that there is no right to abortion in the Constitution. You have to make things up to believe that and to assert that. And for some Joe on the street to do it is depressing enough, but for people wearing the black robes of the Supreme Court to do it in 1973 was an abomination. We finally undid that, and it was a good thing. And it was the right thing, the objectively right thing. Not because I'm pro-life or I'm conservative or I'm Republican or I'm anything, but because the right to abortion in the Constitution was always a treacherous work of fiction. So we come to today. Trump on the ballot in Colorado, should he be there? Of course he should. Not because I would vote for him in Colorado or because I'm a Republican or I'm a conservative, but because these efforts to remove him are intellectually vacant, constitutionally empty, and the product of political venom. That's why the court should rule on what should be a 9-0 result. But hey, I'll take 5-4. You only have to win by one. Well, we all hope that uh, King Charles wins his cancer battle. Uh, it's not prostate. He went in for a prostate exam and they found something else. So whoops, I just hope it's, not, it's kind of funny. We, I, I wish it were nothing and I hope he's successful. Pancreas is real bad. They're all real bad in varying degrees. But this is this was a moment on the British telly yesterday you will hear a a royals uh a, 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 it's kind of funny i mean these people don't come across like they write for entertainment weekly or something they seem these are people who are fairly scholarly about this this tom bowen whom you will hear first looks like he's like 60 something and nigel farage is just a wonderful political figure who is apparently hosting shows now and and they're having a little a little bit of a chat at something that uh, started quite the round table in the uk and in, in in my sphere of friends and family, if someone is if someone you know and love is diagnosed with cancer today, we pray that doesn't happen. If it does, what do you want them to do? The judgment call is theirs, right? It's, it's your life. It's your you know your decisions. But what if that loved one of yours uh, decides uh, I'm going with the herbs? I'm going with the natural remedies, not just because I don't want chemo. This for, listen, listen to this as, as, as King Charles is referred to as being anti-chemo. Well, if you don't want chemo, that's one thing. 
anti-chemo strikes me as like anti-vax. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I, but uh, by that, I mean steadfastly opposed to something, not just not choosing it for yourself. Anyway, this this was wild, and I thought I would uh, – it, it took me a minute and a fraction. Here you go. Any idea what's going on? Well, I think what's going on is that the king, I'm speculating, but the king is a great fan, is always promoter of alternative medicine. He would not be one for chemotherapy. He's always argued against it. He's a great believer in natural herbs and potions and things like that. So my guess is that at the moment he's taking advice from a man called Michael Dixon, who he's championed for many years, who is who headed his own, uh, the, the king's, uh, natural alternative medicine institute, uh, discredited by many people. But the king is a great believer in it. And I be—I was always, last night, I was very surprised that people kept on saying, well, he's going to have chemotherapy or radiation or mm, the rest of it. Mm. You know, he doesn't believe in it. He does not believe in it. It's a risk. I find <coughs> it's a risk. And I think going to Sandringham is where he wants to take these alternative medicines Interesting in, in, line in, of in a quiet way. <coughs> Interesting line of thought. No, okay, wow, before Nigel weighs in, it's like, okay, how are we doing so far? I, I have a feeling Mr. Bauer, I think I called him Bowen, sorry, Tom Bauer, is like not a fan of the whole. And listen, I know there are people listening right now who say, hey, you know, my aunt Wilma did natural remedies, cured her cancer. Different things are going to happen for different people. And I don't think I, I would say that there's some blanket notion that if somebody gets cancer, you want them to go all in on the chemo, all in on the radiation because you want them to beat the cancer. That's goal one, right? Beat that thing. But it, it certainly goes without saying that that cancer, that, that, excuse me, the chemo and radiation themselves can exact a toll. When my mom was diagnosed in 1992, lung cancer, we were still in D.C. And I mean, I'd come back to D.C. after Charleston, West Virginia, Jacksonville, Memphis, Tampa. And uh, so her, her cancer and radiation treatments were at Georgetown. So that was uh, heady stuff the Georgetown University Oncology people, and I will forever love them because they got my mom's cancer. They beat it back. And as I've said, you never cure cancer, you just outrun it. So mom's cancer went away. She was so depleted by the chemo and the radiation that she really couldn't work anymore. She was 60 at the time. And um, so we brought her here, got a, a bigger house with a room, and mom lived with us for what proved to be the last four years of her life. Irreplaceable, wouldn't give it up for anything. Uh, her cancer came back. But you know, as she undertook the, the the chemo and the radiation, we saw firsthand exactly the kind of toll that it can take. But we got, we, we gamb well, gambled, if you want to call it that, and won. Her cancer went away. We got four more years that I absolutely believe we would not have had otherwise. So yay chemo, yay radiation. Is my thought there, but other people have said, "Listen, you've, if I got to go through that, no, thank you." And I'm never going to begrudge anybody the opportunity to make that decision for themselves. I, everybody's uh, texting me about Steve Jobs, who tried all that, you know, hydrotherapy nature stuff and died. Well, okay, that, that, well, there are people who do chemo and radiation and die too, aren't there? Anyway, the rest of this with me that at some point he's going to have to say more. Uh, I think he is, but I think he had no alternative but to disclose that he had a problem because he would A, disappeared, and B, he was in hospital. It would have leaked. Someone would have sold yeah. it to a newspaper. Yeah, and a cancellation so, of exactly. public engagement. No, I get that. The point I'm making is, having been so open initially about what the problem was, now we know it's cancer and that's all we know. Don't you think that the sort of just 
speculation is going to reach a level over the next few days. Well, no, I don't more. actually, because we don't speculate anymore what uh, Kate, the Princess of Wales, had or has. And no, it dies which... down. It dies down, and rightly so. I mean, there are many people who know what Kate has had. Mm. Uh, Emma leaves it at that. There's... Boy, the royal family's got all kinds of health issues. Now, it's kind of funny if you're just, you know, anybody, you got the, you know, there are people maybe who can talk to you. Maybe there's a loved one of yours that says, hey, let's try the natural remedies. And you say, yeah, okay, yeah, do you want to think about chemo? And maybe that's your wish for them, even though it's their decision to make. You know, if you're the king of England, who can talk to you? I guess, I guess Camilla can. What's her, uh, what's her thought about all this? So I don't know. I just, I was looking at that just every once in a while, I will hear a story or see something and, um, and, and it'll make me think, I know there are people going through this in their lives as I've gone through it in mine in various ways. And so I just thought I'd offer that up as a, a chance to reflect and see what everybody's uh, thoughts might be on that. Well, uh, you know, my thoughts on, uh, on on this, this ridiculousness of the Supreme Court case from Colorado that's looking to knock Trump off the ballot. Let's take a deep dive into how that's going to go this morning. Next, it's 922. You're God's favorite creature, but you didn't have a 866-660-5759. All righty. Let's hit the phones, 866-660-5759. We are in Greenville. Chris, hey, Mark Davis, welcome. How are you? Hey, Mark, I'm great. How are you Hi, doing? Good. Um, so I, it's just a really hard judgment call on any patient and any family. I mean, this uh, this is is maybe not a good comparison, but I take meds to control seizures, and every time I uh, complain, you know, about the the meds messing with me, I have friends who are like, "Why aren't you trying the, the medical pot?" Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, that could mess with me too. Uh, but you know, so that that and and that and they don't mess with me nearly as much as chemo or radiation. Right, does. right. Uh, Everything's right? a trade-off. So, it's all a trade-off, isn't yeah. it? It's, you know, and, and you and you never know. You're you're not given some fairy dust ahead of time or some crystal ball where you can say, okay, the downside of these meds or that chemo or this radiation is going to be this, but the upside is it might get rid of my cancer. Well, guess what? It might not. So uh, all we can do is decide for ourselves. Right, right. Um, and um, I was just going to give the example. You you talked about you talked about your mom, uh, both of your parents. I can tell stories of my family, but we all remember watching um, our talk show buddy Rush uh, as he appeared at the State of the Union yep. and was uh, starting to be in decline. And then, I mean, he wasn't at one point as he really went into his chemo treatments, wasn't able to do shows again. Uh, so, I mean, it, it just. It's just hard, and I and I pray for King Charles. Of course, we all do, uh, and I don't. I mean, I don't know. Um, maybe it affects each individual differently. See, and that's the uh, that's exactly right because that that's the other wild card. Everybody's, which is why I'll never sneeze at some of the alternative. I mean, listen, some of them are just wacky, but 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 if somebody wants to do something that is, involves nutrition or something that involves a more natural remedy. The, the the Chinese, I mean, listen, we got huge problems with the Chinese now, but for thousands of years, they've been making people better with all kinds of herbal stuff forever and ever. Maybe there is stuff to learn there, but ultimately, no matter what you bring to bear, it's going to be your personal body chemistry where something may work for you that didn't for somebody else or vice versa. Chris, thank you. Appreciate it very, very much. 
Uh, I I know well the people in the Limbaugh sphere and from from James Golden, Bo Snerdly, and others when Rush passed away. And we're coming up, um, oh my, we're about a week away from the third anniversary of the death of Rush Limbaugh. He died on February 17th of 2021. And we talked a lot about the chemo and the the, the drawbacks of it and the, the toll that it took on him. But from his family and his coworkers and Rush himself, he said, if that gave me more time, then that was a, a deal worth striking. But again, everybody makes their own makes their own deal, don't they? All right, here's our deal. News time. Mark Davis, 930, Nikki Whaley in the newsroom. All right. Home stretch half hour. Are we ready? 866-660-5759. You know, I think I kind of want to do something here. It'll just take about 30 seconds. Um I had Chris mention mention Rush, and it we are. It's just impossible. It's 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 very very hard to believe that um, we're coming up on three years since we. Well, I was going to say since we heard his voice. It's longer than that. Um, I want you. This is not even a minute. This is Rush from his last show of 2020. This is um, before, you know, just as we were all sort of dismantling our broadcast uh, routines for the holidays. When um, when I came back on you know, the first work day of January 2021, uh, I knew already that the days that remained would contain virtually no Rush Limbaugh shows. His decline had been uh, that pronounced. But through just about the entire year of 2020, um, uh, Rush would be there and then not. And there would be fill-in hosts, of which I was so proud to be one there from uh, about 2008 till 2012. And um, it's uh, just, this is just, um, this was um, the Rush farewell from 2020. My point in all of this today is gratitude. My, my point in everything today that I share with you about this is to say thanks and to tell everybody involved how much I love you from the bottom of a sizable and growing and still beating heart. I wasn't expected to be alive today. You have an expiration date. A lot of people never get told that, and so they they um, don't face life this way. I've learned what love really is during this. So, there we are. Um, always worth a little remembrance of rush. 866-660-5759. Let me hop to the calls on various topics of the day. And then some, uh, they get, we got Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Turley on the same panel. Wow. That's some legal uh, brain power ahead of this insane day of the Supreme court where people will argue, uh, that, that Trump should not be on the ballot because they hate him. They won't say that, but that is what it's about. We're in grapevine right now. I'm Tom. Hey, Mark Davis. Welcome. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Well, I guess it's a, a, tri- a, a good tribute to Rush, a longtime Rush listener myself, and a, what a great American he truly was. Yep. But I wanted to share with you um, a little bit about corporate diversity training. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about 1995, and I moved into a role as a team leader. 
and had to go to Washington, D.C. for a full week of diversity training. No, yeah, this, is, this is awesome. This th- Almost 30 years ago. Uh, th- nobody invented this in the last five years. This has been around for a long time. Go ahead. Been around for a long time. So, I mean, we had, um, and they broke people up into segments, you know, uh, Vietnamese people that were were that come here from Vietnam, right. uh, Native Americans, Hispanic women, uh, gays, African Americans, but there really wasn't any any white American male segment. But we came back from lunch one day, and all the chairs and tables were out of the room, and there was probably about 250 people in this, in this <clears throat> excuse me in this group. Right. And so uh, they told us, well, the wall over there on the right. That represents America. The wall on the left, that represents not America. So orient yourself in relation to those walls as to how you feel about America. So people kind of started migrating and doing that. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm a veteran. I was up there against that wall. Right. <laughs> and as, as I look around, I'm kind of seeing how people are scattered around the room a little bit by demographic quite a bit by demographic. Can I pause and ask a question? So, what what do you think sure. the question meant? How does someone feel not America? Meaning like you're not from here, you're not welcome here, you don't like the country. What what did it mean to feel not America? To me it felt like you're not happy. Okay. You're not happy with America. You know, yeah, didn't feel didn't feel embraced, didn't feel welcome, just didn't okay, gotcha. All right, go ahead. But proceed. You're not in line with what it stands for. Uh, that's different, but okay. Mm-hmm. That's different. But I think that was a major piece of it. So as I look around the room and, you know, a lot of the Vietnamese, I I will say both people are people that had been forced out of Vietnam up against that wall. You bet they were. You bet. Okay. And you had the Hispanic community was well up towards the American wall. Mm -hmm. And as I look, the women were probably more scattered in the middle of the room, right, right around what I'd call the half-court line. <laughs> right. You know, not not really. A few both ways, but most there. Right. Um, I would say, you know, and the uh, Native Americans, surprisingly to me, were on a not-American wall. Well, it kind of depends. I mean, if you've got, uh, if you got uh, you know, some, some Sioux, some Cherokee in your background, you can either sure. be bitter about how it went for your ancestors, and I can understand that, or grateful that even with all that turmoil, you get to live in the greatest country in the history of the world. So, mm, you know. Yeah, I was surprised by that because yeah. we have a lot of great uh, Native American uh People that have fought in the military. To be sure. To be sure. Very very well, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, then I would say most of the African-Americans, maybe maybe 80% or so, were up real close to the not-America wall. Hmm. And and we also had um, sessions with a a lot of the gay people. They were just scattered all over the (laughs) world. There was no... Apparently, well, obviously, I don't think there's anything necessarily about gayness that puts you on either side or the other. I guess you're a conservative and gay or liberal and gay or whatever. As for for the black folk, it's funny you mentioned this was in D.C. When you mentioned 1995, I would have just come out after four years back in D.C. in in between 90 and 94. And I I went through news stories like the D.C. public schools having surveys where getting good grades and showing up to school on time and staying out of trouble was perceived as acting white. 
So all of these divisions were, were already absolutely being sowed and fomented. So uh, but to tie a bow around it, what was how did this exercise go, and what did we learn? Well, you know, so this was a segment of not just from any particular part of the country, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, East Coast, Gulf Coast, West Coast, right. Mid-America, everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. All the plants and businesses we had everywhere. Because this is a this is a Fortune 500 company, right. major company. Mm-hmm. And so um, then, you know, I was kind of like, okay, where is this going to go? <laughs> Thank you. And, I like what I'm wondering now. And, and so we came back together, and um, the – the moderator, I guess, he says, so I want you to kind of dwell on that. Think about uh, how America, what America has dealt for you. I mean, he was not pro, he was not pro-America. Right, so okay. Just, I mean, I, I would say, or he was trying to stir up yeah. a lot of thoughts. I mean, if the goal here is to say, walk in other people's shoes, respect a variety of views, know that you know there can be a, a, a variety of appreciations or lack of in our country, blah, blah, blah. But I'd like to that for that to be followed by our company or in this room or with our corporate ethic. We are going to take people. We're going to be what, what America is supposed to be about, people of every religious extraction, every racial extraction, a variety of creeds and origins to all come under the American, uh, the, under, under the American dream. Right, and I agree, and I think that was the missed opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> I do think so. Night, DEI circa nineteen ninety five. Thank you, sir. Golly, but no, this, this, none of this was recently concocted. Oh, Clinton was president during this, and and guess what? He didn't start it either. I mean, as we as we got to the nineteen nineties, it's not like everything had been fixed. Everything's not fixed now. You know, can you still find occasional racism? Yes, you can, but it's a human thing, a human foible, a human failing. You know, that which is what makes it so monumentally uh, uh, disconnecting to hear a reference to America as systemically racist. Now, what a damnable lie about our country! We have we've been on quite the journey of enlightenment. And there are areas in which we're not done. I'd like to enlighten people further about the value of life in the womb. We have all kinds of enlightenment. The, 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 where those tracks are always, you know, running through uh, through history. Um, yeah, thirty years ago, divisive divisiveness all was absolutely easy to find at the time. Okay, uh, what will we find uh, as the justices get ready? to hear arguments on Colorado trying to knock Trump off the ballot because they hate his guts. Andy McCarthy on Fox about an hour ago. Mainly listening, Bill, for whether the court seizes on what I think are the strong textual and procedural reasons not to get into the question of whether an insurrection even occurred, let alone whether President Trump participated in it. Let's pause. Because he's he's uh, absolutely right about that because if the Supreme Court... finds in a way that is for Trump and anti-Colorado, it doesn't mean that they are enthusiastic about him being on the ballot or that they absolutely, completely agree with his side and disagree with the Colorado Supreme Court. It may just mean this is silly. Uh, it, it was silly this even got this far. And so he's on, the status quo of him being on the ballot is uh, sustains. The most electric, most controversial issue here. But I think there are very good reasons looking at the text of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment and the fact that in Section 5 of the 14th Amendment, uh, what the drafters said was that it was for Congress 
uh, not the states, Congress, to enact procedures to enforce the provisions of the 14th Amendment. Which is the other thing, is that this is not something that individual rogue Trump-hating secretaries of state can do state by state. It was Congress's job. I think they're going to home in on the text and the procedures because that, I think, has more of a chance of getting a, a consensus among the nine justices. I think it's probably very important uh, to Chief Justice Roberts and the court as an institution to speak as much with one voice in this case as they can. Uh, I think the way you do that is stay out of the insurrection factual stuff, which is very controversial, and decide this on the text of the statute and the procedures. That is, as you'll always get, good, wise logic from Andy McCarthy, but I believe that there are factual non-emotional, non-partisan points that you can make uh, about the insurrection nonsense, and that is that it is nonsense. This was something born of the era of the 14th Amendment in the the mid-19th century, immediately post-Civil War, that was designed to address what do we do uh, with, uh, with folks who have just freshly seceded from the Union and what if they want to uh, engage themselves in some societal rehabilitation and run for office, blah, blah, blah. Should we let them? And the short answer for a whole lot of people is going to be sure. But what about some of the worst actors, some of the folks who engaged in an insurrection against the United States? Civil war, by definition, was insurrection against the United States. So, But that doesn't mean that the issue goes away or that the 14th Amendment goes away. But you take a look at those definitions. Uh, The originalism involves the original intent of the Constitution as written with various amendments. It's what did they say in those words at that time, and how does it apply now? As it applies now, does President Trump deserve to be grouped with, with, with anybody who has ever engaged in insurrection against the country itself? He was fighting righteously and properly for his side of an election where he had been wronged. Let us hope that the Supreme Court gets it right. 9.50. For no particular reason. Oh, I'm wondering if she remembers me. I was visiting one of my favorite Roseanne Cash albums. It was the one called The List, where her dad, Johnny Cash, gave her a list. Like hundreds of songs as if you know these songs, you know American music. So she grabbed about 12 of them and said, hey, how about if I record them to honor my dad? One of those songs was Girl from the North Country by Bob Dylan. In the brightness of my day. So we'll let Roseanne take us out. I want to thank Jimmy Kersey in format there in uh, tight conversation about how to do the show next week because Matt's out doing things and Jimmy's going to run the show next week. We're excited about that. He'll be awesome. Dr. Jimmy in control. Thanks as always to Rhonda for her producing acumen at producer Rhonda K on the Twitter X. And thanks to Nikki Whaley for news excellence. God bless our country, our troops, our families. Hey, real quick on my way out the door on this beautiful day, let's think of those in this hemisphere who desperately need food. We're doing our food for the poor campaign. 80 bucks one-time gift feeds two kids for a year. Our campaign is going great. Can you help us out today? Go to 660amtheanswer.com. Say your prayers. Be grateful in your life and do something to improve the lives of others. The Food for the Poor campaign, click it now at 660amtheanswer.com. $80 one-time gift feeds two kids for a year. Thank you. 
click Give Life at 660AMTheAnswer.com. I'm Mark Davis. See you tomorrow for the Friday show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.